Good evening and welcome back to You Press Play Sports. We are back again. We had a little, we were on a little bit of a hiatus, but we are back again, back ready to give you all of our fire sports take, best sports analysis. If you ever are looking for any FAU sports analysis takes, this is the only podcast you go to. Anybody else who tells you wrong is a liar and a fool and should not be trusted. My name is Joseph Acosta, and I'm here with the sports editor, Richard Pereira, and photo editor, Estin Parker. So how are you guys feeling today? Feeling great. We back. Feeling fantastic. I'm happy to be back. You know what, man? We're kind of like the Knicks. We're like rising back from the dead. But we're going to start... We're going to start with FAU basketball, specifically FAU women's basketball. And they're on a hot streak. Considering they've won six of their last seven games, they, the last two games they played against Southern Miss, they held Southern Mississippi to 429 for three-point shooting. For all you math guys out there, that's 13%. That is ideal for FAU women's basketball. And they've also held opponents to 37% from the field. They've won the past two games. They've won six of their last seven. And now they're going in the conference tournament play at 500. So, Richard, what have you seen from the women's basketball team that gives you a lot more hope going into the conference tournament? Because early in the season, we were like, oh, boy, this seems like another kind of lost season. But now that everybody's going to be in the tournament and FAU's riding a really, really hot streak, what do you see the outlook for them so far? Well, it's pretty simple. They are peaking at the right time. Like, you don't want your team to be peaking so early and then they fall apart at the end. What the women's team is doing right now is peaking at the right time, winning as many games as they can to end the season on a high note when before they start the tournament, which it, it's pretty clear that they have a lot of energy right now, especially after winning as many games as they did over that, over that stretch of games that they played including wins against Western Kentucky, Southern Miss, and most recently Southern Miss. But yeah, they, they've done great. And Iggy Allen has a, lot, has a lot of credit to be given to because she, she just won her second player of the week from Conference USA. Yes, she did. And it's well-deserved. Esten, what have you seen from this women's basketball team in this six out of seven hot streak that – gives you hope going into the conference tournament well one thing I noticed especially on uh on Saturday was FAU they were playing very physically on Saturday they they were really dominating the paint um of course Iggy Allen had a a very good game as well Iggy Allen you know she does what Iggy Allen does she's just that good um but on Saturday especially I'm just Amber Gaston had, did a really good job. She made six of her seven shots and made a free throw. She and, and when you watched her play, I mean, she, she like I said, she owned the last two games. Um, so that's been really encouraging to see because, you know, we were talking about it earlier in the season. We wanted to see more players step up and make that contribution besides Iggy Allen. And I think, and Richard, like you said, they're peaking at the right time. We're starting to see the team really have some – some more playmakers, some more options, especially for scoring. So it's really encouraging what we're seeing, especially right before tournament play. Yeah, definitely. Amber Gaston had an amazing game against Southern Miss on Saturday. She had 22 points and five rebounds. Those 22 points led the team. Um, The one thing that's giving me confidence for this FAU women's basketball team is actually kind of quite simple. 
They have the best player in the conference. That's why they'll win the tournament. When it comes to, we see it in football, we see it in basketball all the time, the best player is going to win you games. Iggy Allen is the best player in this conference. She leads FAU in rebounds per game, steals per game, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and points per game, and she's also 13th in the NCAA in all in points per game. She is the Conference USA Women's Player of the Year. Go ahead and write it in Sharpie, engrave it in stone, hand it to her like God did Moses with the Ten Commandments. Just give it to her already. But what's really surprised me is how good FAU has shot from deep in these past two games. They shot over 50% in both games. I believe one of the games they shot 9 of 14 from three, which is absurdly high numbers. Now, going into the conference tournament, it's going to be important that they keep that hot streak up because we've seen it a lot with sweet shooting teams going into the tournament. And as soon as they go cold, that magical run is over. Now, I don't think FAU is going to be a team like that because I don't think Iggy Allen's going to let them go out like that. That's really one of the, the biggest reasons that I have hope for FAU going into this tournament that they can make a deep run is because, like I said, they have the best player in the conference. And I will go to war for that, for Iggy Allen, against any player in the country. You give me Iggy Allen, I am confident that we'll win some games. But we'll move on to FAU men's basketball team. They finally got to play a basketball game. Shout out to the men's team. And they also swept Southern Miss. So FAU went into Mississippi and pretty much stormed through the South, getting two wins against Southern Miss. Uh, Eston, what did you see from the men's basketball team in these past two games, considering that they just had two straight games canceled? Well, obviously, you know, getting a win after not playing for, what was it? It, it was over about a month and a half, right? About that time. So, I mean, for them to come back and pick up a pick up a sweep, that's that's a really encouraging sign. Um, one thing I really liked was they were able to. I was a little worried in the second half that they may give the game away. To, it started to get a little closer, but I it was really good to see them hold that lead that they established early on. Because one thing that I noticed earlier in the season was they would be able to they'd be able to get the lead, but I never felt comfortable that they would hold the lead. So this was something that was really encouraging for me to see. And Richard, what did you see from the FAU Owls men's team when they played Southern Miss, especially on defense? Well, it appeared that they, that they actually got together. While the defense was very good, what I didn't like was that they didn't rely on Jalen Ingram too much, who actually came off the bench for these two games and who shot very well. And for they, Michael Forrest, Carlin Sillins, Brian Greenley, they all contributed. They pretty much had pretty much had some of their best performances this season. And as long as they can keep up an offense like that, having the offense balance, no over-reliance on Ingram, they can pretty much end the season on a good note and hopefully win more games, especially to end it off with Middle Tennessee, who they were originally going to play to start the season before that got postponed at the end because of COVID-19. So high hopes for the men's basketball. Yeah, and you know, the men's basketball team has had a very up and down season because you've never really gotten to see what this team could be because they've just had so many COVID cancellations. 
it's really been a tough season for them. But if I can pull anything from these past two games, it's a, it's a fact that they have dominated the paint. Carlos Schillings, big shill. He's played great in these past two games. Against Southern Miss, they have dominated in the paint. They outscored Southern Miss 20 to 16 in their 69 to 60 victory against Southern Miss. And then they scored, outscored uh, Southern Miss 22 to 18 in the uh, next game they played against Southern Miss. So winning those points in the paint battles while you're also still out shooting teams from the outside, that's a good recipe for success. Now, when it comes to the conference tournament, they're probably going to be coming in not having played a lot of games. And when you're going up against a team like West Kentucky and the leaders in the conference, you're going to have to have a lot of experience. That's where I think FAU falters. But if they can keep up that shooting from the outside, if they can continue to get those points in the paint, Jalen Ingram's going to have to play amazing, but they're going to have to get some con contributions from Shillings. You're going to have to get it from Michael Forrest. Keenan Blackshear is going to have to play amazing. So it's going to take a lot for this men's team to come around, but I think they're peaking at the right time, which is really what we can say about both FAU teams. If there's any time to peak, it's going to be right around conference tournament play because now you're riding that hot streak. And we've seen a lot of times where the team with the most momentum going in has gone all the way. And hopefully FAU is going to be one of those teams. Now we move on to our nationally ranked FAU men's baseball team sweeping Seton Hall the past two games. And Matt Sparling, left-handed pitcher for FAU, was just named by College Baseball Newspaper the player of the week. Against Seton Hall on Sunday, he had six innings pitched, struck out 10 batters, only allowed three hits. He actually retired 16 of the final 18 batters he faced. So it was just like practice for him. Line them up, send them back. Line them up, send them back. <laughs> Um, they're now ranked 21st by D1 Baseball and 25th by PG College Baseball. Eston, what, have you, what did you see from the men's baseball team these past two games? So the most encouraging thing I've, I've seen is the starting, or the starting pitchers. I mean, like you said in the first game, I, I'm sorry, now his name is escaping me. But yeah, so he did, he did a great job of really controlling – controlling the mound I think he he did a very good job of like you said he got 10 strikeouts and he was really locating his pitches very well I, I think he struck out the side a couple of times too when I was watching it he you could tell he just had he 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 came on to the um to the mound with a purpose and again we as we've seen so far throughout the season FAU has a ton of live bats I mean all across the board, guys were hitting home runs again. Um, of course, Pendleton didn't hit two grand slams again, but I believe on, was it yesterday? It was either yesterday or Saturday. We had one player hit for three home runs. I think um, Nolan Shanuel hit two. Okay. Saturday. Oh, he only hit two? Okay. Shanuel oh, hit two on Saturday. Um, Mitch Hardigan hit one on Saturday. Um, I believe Jackson Winstrom, Nicholas Tony, and uh, Billy Morganson hit home runs on Sunday. So this is a now, team full of dingers. You're just going to send them up, and I swear they'll hit the ball to Opalaka. And there's nothing you can really do about it because you get past Hardigan, you got to get to Shanuel, who's arguably been the best bat they've had this season. You get past Shanuel, you got to get to Nick Tony. 
You get past Tony. You got to go to Morganson, Winstrom, Caleb Pendleton, who just so happened to not hit two grand slams in one inning. Everybody can rake in this lineup. And that's what makes them so dangerous because you, can, you can't say, okay, maybe our defense, if our, if our offense isn't doing very well, our defense will play great. But FAU can just say, yeah, if our pitching isn't working, we'll just out-hit you. We'll outscore you. Against Seton Hall on Saturday, they won 17 to 14. It's very much like, okay, yeah, you guys want to hit, score runs, all right. Boom, Hardigan, dinger. Boom, Samuel, dinger. What are you going to do about it? This team has so much firepower everywhere where it's seemingly a machine. So, Richard, what have you seen or what's been your biggest reflection on the long ball offense for FAU this season? Well, first off, congratulations to FAU for being nationally ranked. I, I have high hopes for them on Wednesday against the Gators. If they can beat them, hopefully we sneak up in the top 15, maybe top 10. Like, I want to see that happen. And for FEU's series against Seton Hall, it showed every version of FEU as they could be. The first game, limited offense, but a great defensive performance. The second game, great offense, but a flawed, flawed defense. And then the, the last game, which pretty much showed the best of both worlds for FEU. Like, there are so many versions of FEU, but the one thing that stayed consistent is that offense. Like, they'll keep going at it no matter what. With the amount of batters they have that can make home runs on a daily, they got it. All I'm saying is UCF just beat number one ranked Ole Miss in their series. So all I'm going to say is make FAU the number one team in the nation. That's it. D1 baseball, PG college. Come down to Boca. Watch out for unidentified flying objects. That might be a Mitch Hardigan home run. You just got to steer out the way a little bit. Just kind of kind of go that way a little bit. But you know, you'll get you'll get past it. Maybe you'll get past another Nolan Shaniel home run. I bet you'll find a ball on a 95 South. That was from Nick Tony. We apologize for any road traffic situations that happened because of that. But you just got to understand. This team's dingers. They dingers forever. And, and it really doesn't matter like how good the defense can be. This defense can be great. It can be amazing. But the margin of error is so large for that defense because they can outscore you. I mean, they scored 20 against UCF. And then they scored 17 against Seton Hall. Now going against Florida is going to be a very tough game. It's, a, it's only a one-off, not a series. But I'm excited to see what our see what our bats do, because this is kind of the I'm not gonna say the star making game, but the team making game. This is gonna set us apart, and it can really, you know, they're eight and one right now. This is really gonna separate them, like can further like separate them from Conference USA. Like this is the best baseball team in the conference, bar none. I would I put them up against any other team in the country. And I'll say, yeah, we can beat you because we're going to hit a bunch of home runs and we bet that you can't. But we are going to go to the FAU soccer teams. The men's team is 2-0-2 in their last four games, outscoring opponents. 3-0-2. 3 2 in the last four games. Or last five, considering math. Thank you. 
and they've outscored their opponents seven to two over that stretch. Richard, what have you seen from FAU's soccer team, men's soccer team, in this really great stretch of soccer? To make another correction, it's eight goals scored. You got the goals conceded correct. Eight, it's, two, two, yeah. eight, it's just two goals allowed. But, A, the goalkeeping, fire. Uh, uh, Neil Strauber, perfect at the goalkeeper position. He, he's done. He already got three, three clean sheets. Yo, he's doing his job, and, that's, and I'm proud of him. Shout out to him. You no, know, I keep remembering. I keep going back to our, pre-game, our preseason, like, look, preseason preview of the men's soccer team, and our biggest question was, who was going to be a goalkeeper, and how are we going to play defense with a new goalkeeper? I think we found our answer, man, because mm-hmm. Strauber has been playing lights out in there. <laughs> the fact that this is our best defensive start since 1996, hey, hey. Keep it up. Keep it rolling. You know, the conference play coming up on Saturday against FIU, who we did not uh, beat uh, in 2019. We Otherwise actually, known as the team down south. We don't acknowledge them. Yeah. The team down south. Yeah. But, yeah, last time we faced them, we didn't do it so good. We lost 6-1. But, hey, we can get some payback. Yes, definitely. We're going to be out there getting some payback against the team down south. Um, Eston, what did you see from the men's soccer team? Well, one thing that was really encouraging, especially against uh, Florida Gulf Coast, was they they got 10 shots off on goal. And that is something that you really want to see from your team, especially, I mean, earlier in the season, they weren't, well, it's still early, but they weren't making or converting many shots on goal. And also, again, the the goalkeeping has been exceptional. And one thing that I really like to look at is a goal difference. And like you said, I think, what was it? They're seven? They're plus seven? Eight to two. Okay, so so eight and two, yeah. So plus six goal differential is a great way to start the season. You know, and if I'm the coach right now, I'm I'm just going to keep on doing what I've been doing because clearly, clearly it works. So I'm really looking forward to see if we can get revenge coming up, though. Yeah, that that this will be the first like big test of the season. Definitely. And, you know, those 10 shots on goal is really important because they're creating opportunities. You can't outscore people by six if you're not getting those opportunities. They're creating those opportunities in all the games they've played. It's really great to see. And like you guys said, playing that team down south. This is going to be a statement game early in the season. It's going to be one of the first in-conference games, not even the first in-conference game of the season. So it's definitely going to be a fun one. Um, You'll definitely hear from us about it. But going to the women's soccer team, they picked up their first win of the season against Miami, 1-0. Richard, what did you think of how the women played? Well, easily their best performance of the season. I saw, I saw how the goal was. It was actually a defensive error. Like, <laughs> the defender passed it close to the, to the goal area, and Miracle Porter, the one who scored, took advantage of it. And it and just flat out celebrated, just hitting her hand on the ground. Get it how you live. Get it how you, get it how you get it. That's mm-hmm. all that matters, as long as it goes a goal. Take your opportunities. Like, take, if, you had, if you had to take a risk, take it. The ultimate opportunities, man. Ultimate opportunist. Shout out to Edge. But yeah, the women's team finally picking up a win. They're gonna be they're gonna be playing at Marshall 
on March 5th. That's their next game. Going to be one of the first games in conference. Let's hopefully see if they can pick up on this momentum from getting that first win and kind of round back into the form that we know that the women's soccer team can get to. So I guess we can kind of quickly, briefly hit on it, but FAU football just started their uh, spring practice today. Um, they will be playing the University of Florida first game of the season. Um, so quick, quickly, <laughs> briefly, briefly, I want to get you guys, what's your biggest question for FAU football going into this season? Eston, we'll start with you. I really want to see how Tronti does this season. I, I've been a little, I'm sorry, but even though Robeson isn't, uh, you know, wasn't exactly, isn't the best person, he's the best quarterback <laughs> that we've had in, in a long time. So we, I, I want to see us, if, if we can get a quarterback that's better than him, I mean, there's a lot of talent on this team. I, and also, I also just don't want to see us get blown out by Florida. So that's uh, off the top of my head. That's, that's what I'm thinking about going in, but got to see we how we're at cover. after spring practice. All we got to do is cover. We just got to cover the spread. Uh, Richard, what's your biggest question for FAU? Outside of the quarterback position, I want to see how they are at full strength. We didn't have that luxury last season. So with everybody back and hopefully nobody decides to opt out, even though they're, it's okay if they do, it's their choice. But with everybody back, I want to see how they can do at full strength. Yeah. And um, when we say everybody, that actually leads into my biggest question, which is how is Achilles Leroy going to come back into form. He didn't play at all last year. He's going to be back in the middle of that defense. When he last played, he should have won Defensive Player of the Year in the conference. I will never forgive the Conference USA for that. I will start a petition, a change.org petition. Give Achilles Leroy the 2019 Defensive Player of the Year, you cowards. 2021 <laughs> is going to be the year Achilles Leroy wins Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I'm excited to see how he returns back in the form, especially in a Mike Stoops defense that's going to be really exotic, kind of different from what we've seen. Jim Levitt used a lot of man pressure, heavy blitzes. Mike Stoops isn't like that. He's going to play a lot of cover three, a lot of cover four. He's going to force you to run the ball. So it's exciting to see how quickly these players can adjust to it and how, it's, how the defense is going to adjust while not allowing them to lose their speed. Because FAU played fast and physical last year on defense they need to retain that especially going into the swamp where everybody on the field is fast and physical I don't think we win that game against Florida but if they can if the offense comes around I think we might cover don't take my word on it we might backdoor cover in the fourth I don't know maybe fingers crossed but that'll do it for our FAU sports coverage. We're going to go into the national sports and we're going to play a quick little game here. And then we'll get into our other game that we're excited to bring to you, hopefully on the next episode of you press play sports edition. So as you know, all-star break is going to be happening this week. Actually, I looked it up today and I was like, my goodness, this year has already been crazy and we're only three months into the year, but we're going to play a game. We're going to give out our NBA midseason awards. So I'm going to say the award and you're going to give me your winner and your runner up. 
So, Richard, I'm going to start with you. We're going to start with most valuable player. Who, if the season ended today, who is your MVP and who is your runner-up? And it's very close, but the top spot will have to go to Joel Embiid. It's it makes it makes so much sense now that Philly is now finally a top team after having such an inconsistent year in for the 2020 season. If Joel Embiid has shown that, hey, <laughs> at at the top of his game, you can't stop him. You just can't. Absolutely. He's been playing phenomenal this year. He's averaging 30 points a game, which I believe is, if I'm reading this correct, from ESPN. According to ESPN stats, Joel Embiid is averaging 30 points a game, which is second in the NBA. And he's also averaging 12 or 10 rebounds a game, which is ninth in the NBA. So he's been playing out of his mind. What Doc Rivers has done with that team is crazy considering where they were last year we thought they were dead in the water but um Estin who are you choosing for your MVP it, it it's got to be Joel Embiid I mean he's averaging the double double and by the way he's shooting 41 percent from the three-point line I mean his he shoots in his career average is 32.8 like are we gonna are we gonna start saying that Joel Embiid's maybe a three-point threat because I definitely know he can shoot it better than Ben Simmons, but um, <laughs> of course, <laughs> that was an unnecessary <laughs> shot at Ben Simmons. <laughs> I, oh it, uh, yeah, all respect to him; he's having a great season too. He still can't shoot the three, but um, Joel Embiid is playing lights out. He's he's playing like the dominant player that everyone's. You know, we've all known that Joel Embiid is. <clears throat> excuse me that he's a monster on both ends of the court, but now we're starting to see a whole other side to him. And it is, it's really fun to watch. So, and I think that'll make it a sweep for Joel Embiid because I have him down as my MVP this season so far. Like you guys said, he's averaging a double double and what he's done to the Sixers is pretty much this team is going to revolve around me. He looks a lot healthier. He's looked a lot quicker. And when he's on, he is unstoppable. Now, who is your guys' runner-up? I think this will be a little bit more, uh, I guess we'll have differing opinions here, but we'll see. Uh, Richard, who is your runner-up? My runner-up is LeBron. Uh, with Anthony Davis uh, being out for a couple of games because of Achilles issues, which is very concerning for the Lakers and should be their top priority in keeping him in shape, keeping him safe from tearing it. I hope that doesn't happen. But LeBron was able to hold it down for with AD, with AD gone. And with guys like Dennis Schroeder, KCP, Alex Caruso. Hey, LeBron's doing what he can. He, he's doing what he can. And the Lakers are still a top team in the Western Conference. Respect to that. Eston, who is your runner-up? Even though I'd say LeBron for me is third because, again, LeBron is having a LeBron-type year. I got to go with Nikola Jokic. Um, he's – see, to me, he's also a very fun player to watch. And statistically, he's got 26.9 points a game, so let's say pretty much 27. He's got essentially 11 rebounds rounded up. And 
he's got eight assists per game. So he's almost averaging a triple-double, and he's, in a lot of ways, I feel like carrying the Nuggets to that seventh or where they're at at that seventh seed at the moment. And, you know, that's not to say that Denver doesn't have a lot of great playmakers around him too. But Jokic is really elevating his game. And if he can keep this going, I mean, he's, he's quietly been one of the best big men, I feel like, in the NBA for the last couple of years now. And, of course, he's not at Joel Embiid level yet. But he's showing us that he might be able to compete at that level. Um, I'm going to go with LeBron James. And I feel like we could give the award for most valuable player to LeBron James every year, but I feel like we just get bored and just say, yeah, it's some time for somebody else to win it. But what LeBron is doing in what year is it? 17 or 18? I've lost count. I mean, he's 36. So this is year 18. This is year 18 for him. Yeah, he's year 36. 18. And, you know, the craziest thing about it is he's shooting near his career high in three-point percentage. He's 36% from three. In year 18, at 36, coming off of what was probably one of his worst shooting, like, years, he's decided, yeah, no, I'm, like, 6'9", 250, but I'm going to be a three-point shooter now. <laughs> and he's also one of the best, if not the best passer in the NBA. And he's also, yeah, casually averaging 25 points a game for the second best team in the West. So I feel like my runner up is LeBron. You can give it to Nikola Jokic. I would also personally, um, I might add James Harden in that list mm. of most valuable player. Come on. <laughs> listen, 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 hear me out. Okay. The man okay. is there. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing the cap out. The man is there. <laughs> the cap. Cap out. You're getting the cap. Um, I put Curry over Harden. He's averaging 25 points a game, right? He's also averaging 11 assists. And there have been times where Kyrie nor Kevin Durant has played and he has carried that team to wins. So, I mean, I, I feel like he deserves to be in that conversation because he is leading the league in assists while also averaging 25. I know he plays for Brooklyn, but still, he's having one of the best seasons of his career and that's crazy considering what he did in Houston when he won MVP. So I would add James Harden to that conversation. I kind of feel like the, the takes would be off the charts if he did end up winning. But we'll move on to Defensive Player of the Year. Esten, I'm going to start with you. Who is your Defensive Player of the Year so far? Ooh. Ooh, honestly, that's a tough one. Um, for for defensive player of the year, I gotta go with Rudy Gobert at the moment. Or it it honestly it's a toss-up between him and Jokic. I'm gonna go with go Gobert though, since I already hyped okay. up Jokic. <laughs> but I I I really think that Gobert has done an excellent job this season. Again, we know what he can do in the paint, and he also does a decent job in the perimeter. I every time I watch a jazz play, I know that you know. Not a lot of people can get by or score on that man. And yeah, I got to go with Gobert. Uh, Richard, what do you think? I, I agree with Eston. Uh, Gobert has done an excellent job as the best defensive player this season, especially for Utah, who are still at the top of the Western Conference. 
you you have to give credit where credit is due, especially after what happened last season. Hey, Rudy Gobert, congrats! You're you're doing great. And <laughs> this Jazz team, there's something else this year. They're much different than what we thought they were last in past seasons. Okay, I am going to say a name that you'll probably get when I say it, or you might get it. Because I, I originally had Rudy Gobert first and this guy second. I'm doing my research. I flipped him. Mm. My defensive player of the year is Ben Simmons. And the reason I say that is he is the anchor of that Philly defensive team. Because he can guard one through five. He's playing at an elite first team all defense level. And like I said, there's nobody like him defensively other than like maybe Giannis he's 6'10 and can guard positions one through five and he's doing it at a really high rate this season I think Rudy Gobert's stats and overall pedigree of defensive player of the year might get him the win over Ben Simmons I think Ben Simmons should be defensive player of the year man and like I said my runner-up would be Rudy Gobert uh who would you guys runner-up be for me, I gotta. Oh, you, you go. You okay, go. I I gotta go with Ben Simmons because also at the same time he's, I still am amazed that that man plays point guard. Also, he still can't shoot the three, but <laughs> just such a such a great player on like such a great player on defense. You, sh- I've never seen a point guard realistically that can guard anywhere on the court to the level that Ben Simmons does, and. I, I didn't even think about that, JP. Like you said, there might be – the only player that might be consistently better on defense is either Gobert or even Giannis. And that's that's a – I mean, that's elite stand, That's an elite standard on defense. I mean, I think there was one point when Philly was playing Boston where they tried to switch uh, Kimball Walker on the Ben Simmons. Didn't work. Jason Tatum on Ben Simmons. Didn't, doesn't work. Jalen Brown on Ben Simmons. It doesn't work because he is a lockdown defender. So, Jalen Brown on Ben Simmons. Give me, give me Ben Simmons is my defensive player of the year. Now, we move to coach of the year. Um, I'm going to go first on this one. I call it, this is mine. <laughs> Tom Thibodeau from the New York Knicks, coach of the year. And he brings this down as maybe – I had this down as maybe another segment where we talk about are the Knicks actually back, but I don't care about that. I don't know if the Knicks will actually be back. I'm just enjoying the ride right now. I'm just, en- I'm enjoying, I'm, I'm enjoying Knicks Twitter. If you are on Knicks Twitter, I appreciate you for the themes you have given me, except for the one guy who said Julius Randle is better than Chris Bosh. You can yeah. jump in a Get him out. Get him out. But Get him out of here. This season so far, I guys, I want you to guess. Um, Defensive rating as a team, guess where the Knicks are? Less than 105. They're Six. second in the NBA in defensive rating. Wow. Opponent points in the paint per game, they're third in the NBA. They're first in the NBA in opponent field goal percentage and three-point percentage. This team is playing elite on defense. They play 48 minutes of we are going to give you H-E double hockey sticks. Both sides of the floor. And I dare I say it, 
it's a little fun to watch, man. It's fun to see those guys like Frank Nilakina, Mitchell Robinson, who's perenn- perennially one of the best interior defenders in the NBA, Kevin Rose. D. Rose. It's fun to see those guys defend because they defend like they're the New York Knicks and nobody cares because it's the New York Knicks. They defend like they don't care. And Tom Thibodeau, as much as we make jokes about him, the man has coached him up. Like he's coached him up really well. And shout out to him. He's my coach of the year. I'll get into who's second later on. But uh, Richard, give me your coach of the year so far. I feel more inclined to go with Tom Thibodeau. If you're actually able to get a team like the Knicks in playoff contention, especially in the top six, it's the I Knicks. I thought the Knicks were going to be at the bottom of the league again. Nah, I didn't think they were going to be the worst team in the NBA. No, <laughs> not like that. But would they have been in the, like, at, at the 10th spot at the very least? They'd be picking so. in the lottery. I think so. I thought they'd be picking in the lottery. But they've exceeded our expectations. While, uh, while a team like Cleveland went back down to earth, now back at the bottom of the East, the Knicks have stayed. They're actually here to stay in the playoff picture. And that's why I feel more inclined to give Tom Thibodeau that Coach of the Year award because what he's doing is remarkable. And he bring 90s basketball back in, back into our lives with Julius Randle going crazy on everybody. I think Richard just wants 90s basketball back. We're, we're going to get Richard, a, we're going to make Richard a t-shirt that says bring 90s it's basketball It's Julius Randle. There's DeMontis Sabonis and Zion. There's... There's 90s basketball players in this generation, and we gotta, we have to take hold and of that. Was 90s basketball back, Yo, great defensive teams are worth it. Eston, who is your coach of the year so far? Well, I'm not gonna lie, I, I, I was thinking about Thibodeau, but I didn't even realize their defensive stats. That that's incredible, and honestly, that that speaks to his defensive abilities. I mean, he's always had. A very good team, a very good defensive team, no matter where he's been, even in Minnesota. But you know, I really hated on this coach for a while, and I think I said on this podcast that he's the most overrated coach in the NBA. I think it's time that I put some respect on Doc Rivers' name, even though I still think he's okay. I'm gonna put my limit on it, but the fact that he's, re- I, I think he is a big reason why. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are taking that next step um, and that was something that a lot of people wanted to see and also as we've all said that there was a lot of concerns about the Sixers coming into the season of are they you know are they going to make any progress compared to the last few seasons and I know it's still somewhat early we're about to enter the all-star weekend but I mean what it's like it, it really is like watching an entirely different team even though it's mostly the same players so uh, I gotta put some respect on Doc Rivers name despite how uh, hard it is for me I want to say he, I want to say he's mid so bad I'm not going he's he, he's he's not mid but uh, there it is, it, there it is. <laughs> heard it here first Eston finally admits that Doc Rivers is not mid. Write it down, folks. You will never hear it again. Never but, in a lifetime will you hear Eston ever say Doc Rivers is not mid. This was a rare occasion. Unless he chokes. If he chokes this season, like if 
they just drop off. They blow another three. I, I, I'm sorry, but like I'm going to project that to everyone. I'm going to be the biggest proponent of saying Doc Rivers is overrated. Oh but if it's not Doc Rivers, I, I, it's got to be Tom Thibodeau too. So, so my runner-up is actually Quinn Snyder, head coach of the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Um, what they've done, they've jumped from fourth or fifth seed in the West to the top of the West. And it's not just the, um, it's not just the Donovan Mitchells or the Rudy Bears. They're getting Jordan Clarkson, 20 points a game off the bench in his J.R. Smith bag. Joe Ingles still got it. Mike Conley playing at an all-star level. If there was any, if Tom Thibodeau wasn't coaching the Knicks and the Knicks weren't where they're at right now, I would give it to Quinn Snyder because he's taken that team to the top of the West. Now, we move on to sixth man of the year. I actually forgot this on my list. I don't know how I forgot it, but I have my sixth man of the year because I said him just a couple of seconds ago. It's Jordan Clarkson. I mean, to average 20 points a game, coming off the bench, he's provided for them in crucial moments when Mitchell didn't have it or Mike Conley didn't have it. Rigo Barron exactly going to beat you off the dribble. He's brought it in games. Like, I think he scored like 40 twice, which is insane considering he's coming off the bench. So Jordan Clarkson's probably my sixth man of the year. If not Jordan Clarkson, um, oh, man, I forgot who the Lakers' sixth man is. It's not Schroeder, is it? No, Schroeder's starting. Is it Montrez Harrell? Oh, yes, Harrell. It's, it's Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell is my sixth man of the year. I knew it was going to be somebody. The Lakers' sixth man would be the sixth man of the year runner-up. But Jordan Clarkson's got it for me. Uh, Richard? Uh, I, I have to agree, too. Jordan Clarkson, he, he, he has to be the runner-up runner up a front runner for six man of the year uh, I, that one highlight where he dropped michael carter williams <laughs> oh. Oh. oh no go oh no, no. mercy no mercy <laughs> oh no the ankle breakers that show no mercy are the best ones man jordan carson had no mercy on michael carter williams it's like on that. it's like oh. watching a hoop mixtape video he said yeah. He sent his ankles to Epcot, bro. He sent him on the bench. <laughs> it was time to go. But Jordan Clarkson is definitely – that's two for Jordan Clarkson. Esten, who is your sixth man of the year so far? Well, other than Jordan Clarkson, which also, by the way, he's shooting 96% from the free throw line. So we, mm-hmm. might, as, we might as well call this man Mr. Automatic. But um, another guy that I've been thinking about is, is Chris Boucher. Is that how you say his – Chris Boucher. How do you pronounce his last name? Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's averaging 13 points, six and a half uh, rebounds off the bench. He's shooting 52%, and he's been coming in very well for Siakam, for the Raptors. I, and again, I personally, it is Clarkson for me, but I, I got to go with Boucher for another option just because, you know, we've already, uh, we, we've described how well Jordan Clarkson is. And, for content reasons only, he had to go with Chris Boucher. Yes. Um, we're going to move on to Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. And we'll go – we'll start with Eston first. Eston, who is your Rookie of the Year? Well, he's balling out. It's, it, it is LaMelo Ball. LaVar um, was right. <laughs> he, 
He's already the best ball in the league. Um, he is the best ball brother. And I never thought I would say this. Charlotte is fun to watch with him on the court. I mean, that, that is, that is insane. Also the, did y'all see this, the video yesterday of him pretty much like as he's getting the ball and falling over, he's still trying yeah. to shoot it. Yes. I mean, yeah. he, he literally does not care. He will throw it up and most of the time he'll make it, which also that's not to say he's a reckless shooter because I, I forget how young he is, but I do see some, you know, some maturity in this game. He's able to dish the ball out a bit, but I, he's just such a fun player to watch. And again, I, his impact cannot be understated. The fact that Charlotte is in playoff contention, when do we say that? It is Charlotte. They don't make the playoffs. Jordan is not a good GM. I definitely agree with LaMelo Balls being my rookie of the year. I saw him as rookie of the year. And the thing that separates him from me is how fearless he is. You said it when he was shooting. I don't think it's like arrogance or like reckless. It's fearless. He's confident that he can make those shots. He's confident that he's the best passer in the NBA. He can make those passes. So it's really fun to see, you know, he's averaging 15 and six, um, three points more than my second, uh, my runner up who I really, really wanted to say was rookie of the year. And that's James Wiseman. I wanted to put him as rookie of the year, but I couldn't go against what LaMelo, LaMelo has done for Charlotte and turning that team from like an afterthought to like, you got to watch them on like league pass or like they're a must see like highlight real team. So, Richard, who are you going with with your rookie of the year? LaMelo is pretty much my front runner. Everything that you guys said has been said. I have pretty much laughed way too much after I saw LaMelo throw that ball up, trying to see if he could make it while crashing into the, <laughs> the benches. Now, I think for me, from that same game, he was going up for a layup, and he goes like this and then throws the ball behind his back to the player and to his teammate and he dunks it. A simple Who takes that in midair. That's 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 far advanced for a NBA player, let alone a rookie. He's playing out of his mind as a passer. And my runner up, it's a man will quickly it's a man will quickly. Oh, that's a good one, man. Quickly has been balling. Like like the Knicks, they're doing great, but I don't think if they didn't have quickly, I don't think they'd be as high as they are right now in the Eastern Conference. Without Quickly, I think they would be much lower in the standings. So Quickly has been has played a major key factor in the way the Knicks do things. So I have to give him that respect of being my runner-up for Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Um, we're going to go to Most Improved Player now. And Esten, we'll start with you for Most Improved Player. Who is your Most Improved Player? I think we might all have the same answer. We'll see. Honestly, Julius Randle. I mean, I I got to go with him because, A, he is the primary reason why I feel like he is the primary reason why the Knicks are where they're at currently, besides Thibodeau, but we've already gone over that. Um, again, he's averaging 23 points a game, pretty much 11 rebounds, five assists. And statistically, he's actually shooting under his career average for shooting, but his three-point percentage is up to 41%, which he usually shoots 32%. And he is actually turning into the player that I think the Lakers at one point thought he was going to be. And not that 
clearly the Lakers don't have any regrets because, you know, they have the best player in the NBA, but I, it's, it's really actually fun to see the Knicks be a tolerable team to watch again, led by Julius Randle. Another thing I thought I would never say. Yeah. I think Julius Randle is also my um, most improved player. He's averaging 23, 11 and five on the season. Um, What's so shocking to me is, like you said, he's doing this in year eight of his career. We don't normally see the breakout in year eight, but it's crazy how much improved he's gotten, not only as a three-point shooter, but he's shooting a career high from the free throw line, I believe. I believe he's shooting 80%, which is his career high. He's shooting 48% from the field, but he's also taking 17 shots a game. He's shooting 43% from three which is also a career high. So, well, it's not a career high, but like, actually, yeah. It's above, it's it, above his career average, it's, yeah. It's his career high from three. He's shooting 42% from three, a career high. What he's been doing for the Knicks and how efficient he's been has been such an improvement. And I'll get to my second uh, most improved player, but they've both improved in so many ways where – it's extremely fun to see. Uh, right, Richard, I see you shaking your head or nodding your head. You you agree with us for Julius Randle? Yes. Yeah, I think Julius Randle is our uh, second or third clean sweep on here. So we all, we all think it on the same page. But my runner up for most improved player, and I'm going to sound like a homer, but I don't care. Bam Adebayo. He is, <laughs> if Julius Randle was not playing like he was for the Knicks, I would say Bam Adebayo has been my most improved player. And it's not just the improvement scoring. It's how he's doing it now. It's not just alley-oops and finishes at the rim. It's mid-range jumpers. It's step backs. It's spin moves. He's added so much more to that offense, which complements the fact that he can guard one through five and also complements the fact that he's a very good passer. Now he's adding that mid-range jump shot, the spin moves, the hook shots. He is slowly becoming, not slowly, quickly becoming the focal point of that offense. And it's extremely fun to see as a Heat fan. And like I said, if Julius Randle wasn't playing for the Knicks the way he was, Bam Adebayo would be my most improved player. Richard, who is your runner-up? Since we're going by being a homer for our team, I'll go with Jingham Brown. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was hey. a thing. Hey, don't hurt my Celtics like that. Come on. Um, despite the season the Celtics are having right now, Jingham Brown has, has done his part by just flat out being an assassin on the court. He can do anything you want him to do. Score the ball, slash it slashing into the paint, shooting them threes, dunking on people, playing good defense. Dude is a Swiss Army knife and a flat-out star. If I, I think he could, he, he could have won most improved player of the year last season. This year, he has like a better chance now. Eston, who is your runner-up for most improved player? Now, b- before I start, I, I think – the person who now 
might be the uh, the mid coach of the NBA is Brad Stevens. I'm sorry, Richard, in advance, but someone's got to take uh, uh, Doc Doc's spot. But Jeremiah Grant is got to be my That's runner up. A good one. Yeah. I mean, he's he's got career high in points per game. He's averaging 23.4. He's got an he's got a career high in assists per game. Granted, it's, it's three, but I mean, it's still an improvement from 1.1. Um, and altogether, even though he's obviously got a lot more minutes because he's on a Rockets team, which um, I don't think John Wall expected to be so bad. It, it's it's something you really wanted to see from him. And he's also one of the bright spots, like I said, on a really poor team. So this might he, he might be the type of player that the Rockets could build around for the next couple of years. Not, you know, saying that he's a, a franchise cornerstone, but he's someone that at least is giving some encouraging signs for a team which is having a, uh, a, a very bad season, to put it lightly. I hate to do this, but I think Jeremy Grant plays for the Pistons. <laughs> Jeremy Grant plays for the Pistons. Christian Wood plays for the Rockets. Did I really get the... <laughs> this is what happens on midterm week. It's Monday, and I'm this already at this point. This is what happens when you play for Detroit. You have a most improved player of the year like campaign, and nobody knows... You can't even get... Detroit, Houston, because they don't know you play for Detroit. Free my man's Jeremy Grant. He just got there. He made the choice to go to Detroit, but free my man's. He didn't sign up for this. And also Christian Wood. Free Christian Wood. He didn't sign up for this. Yeah. The Rockets just lost 10 straight. Free my man. 11. 11 straight. 11, 11 yeah. Free my man's. But if we are going to shout out some most improved players, I will also say we have to shout out Lou Jen's Dort. The Dorcher Chamber, baby. Game winner. He is putting everybody on lockdown on defense. And he's doing it with such an energy that it's very reminiscent of Tony Allen on the Grizzlies, where he's just going to go at you 100%. And he's been such an improved three-point shooter in his second year. And he's also, he hasn't been a liability on offense. Last year, he was a liability on offense. This year, he isn't a liability. And to go along with the Dorcher Chamber, he's always going to he's always gonna be locking people down. So shout out to Lujan's Dort. Um, I feel like he has to be in that conversation. Shout out to Pistons legend, Jeremy Grant. But um, we're going to move on to our, so this one that I added, I added most improved team and least improved team. Now, I have a feeling we're, actually, I'll do this. Who is your most improved team, Richard? Knicks. Okay. That's what I thought. Eston, who is your most improved team? The Knicks. There you have it, folks. The most improved team in the NBA, the New York Knicks. You heard it here first. But now we're going to go into least improved team. And I'm going to start, and I apologize. But Boston is the least improved team in the NBA. How do you have two all-stars and you're below 500? You're supposed to have three all-stars. What happened to Kimba Walker? Cardiac Kimba. Cardiac Kimba. Sound more like Charlotte Kimba. 
I don't know what happened to Kimball Walker in the bubble to now, but that team is not playing good at all. They just got a win against Washington yesterday, but it took a game winner by Jason Tatum. And it took them holding off 46 points from Brad Beal, which is kind of becoming a thing now on a daily basis, Bradley Beal. I think he's the only player to have a winless record when he scores 40 or more, which is really just sad. Like, I'm just like, oh, gosh. I mean, I feel bad. I mean, Jordan dropped 63 and he still lost. Okay, so, you know what? That was that, he did that against Boston. You know what? Let's switch back to Boston. Let's switch back to hating on Boston, okay? I know. It's just to be fair. To be just fair. To be, no, we're not going to be fair. Boston has never been fair to anybody. We're not going to be fair to them now. The Patriots are down bad. The Red Sox also down bad. We are going to enjoy this. The Celtics <laughs> are a bad team. Below 500, two, named two All-Stars. And it's just been, their offense has been anemic when Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum is not in the game. If you have the defensive guys to slow down Tatum or Jalen Brown, you're going to win the game. They have no offense. And again, their interior defense has not been very good at all. Um, Robert Williams, although he's improved, still not a very good addition. Tristan Thompson, I mean, it's Tristan Thompson. Daniel Tice hasn't exactly been a defensive stalwart. So they needed to improve at that position going into the season, and they didn't. And now they're two games below 500. I think one or two games below 500. They're behind the Knicks, which speaks for itself. I think they're also behind Miami. And Miami was just on a five-game win streak. So Boston is my least improved team this year. And I don't feel bad about it at all. <laughs> Eston, who is your least improved team this season? So other than Boston, because GP, I think you did a really good job of pretty much dissecting them. I got to go with the Rockets. I mean, I, I know that losing James Harden was obviously going to be a big blow, but wow, what, what, a, what a fall off for that team. I mean, imagine how P.J. Tucker feels right now. He, he definitely has more shoes than that team has wins. So, I mean, it, come on, that's, uh, it's a bad time to be a Rockets fan, I feel like. And also, by the way, I, I will say another team that could go for the most improved, the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they, they're currently sitting fourth in the West at 22 and 11. Devin Booker's winning on and off the court. I mean, we have, that's a fun team to watch right now. And honestly, it's about time that Phoenix gets good because I feel like it's been coming for a long time. So now that it's happening, the Knicks are stealing the show because the Knicks like to do that. So, <laughs> Richard, uh, I hate to go back to you on this. Who is your least improved team in the NBA and why is it Boston? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, seriously though, who is your least improved team in the NBA? It's, it's okay, it is the Celtics. Um, <laughs> I don't know what happened. Like, if we were doing, um, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Most improved coach or least improved coach. If there was a least improved coach, Brad Stevens would be that. I don't know. Well, what I will happened. never forget. Defense is not the same. 
I will never forget. It was like the peak of 2016 or 2017. Somebody said on Twitter, would you rather have the number one overall draft pick or one of the top young players in the NBA or Brad Stevens? And he said, Brad Stevens. I will never forget that. Boston Celtics Twitter. I'm sorry, Richard, you are an outlier. Boston Celtics Twitter needs to go outside (laughs) because that was something you will never, ever get away with. As long as Brad Stevens is your coach, you will never get away from the fact that that dude said that he would rather have Brad Stevens over any player in the NBA. Brad Stevens (laughs) don't even play. Brad Stevens peaked by going to the conference finals. I believe they should have beaten Miami in the conference finals. But since he didn't, Cleveland, they got oh, Miami. We just got exposed. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, Miami did beat Boston. Yeah. So, I believe Brad peaked, and after this season, I think he's more likely to be let go. Wow, let go. That's that might be a little. That'd be shocking to me if they really do let him go at the end of the season, because I think he's gotten so much credit or garnered so much good that I don't think this season of bad will get him fired, but it depends on how bad they are. If they don't make the playoffs, then like I could definitely see him getting fired. But one of my other least improved teams is a team that I always want to be good, but somehow, some way, they're always not. They're like the San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers, forgive me. They're like Los Angeles Chargers. San Diego. They're like the Los Angeles Chargers for me. And that's the Orlando Magic. Every year, I talk myself into, hey, the Magic might be pretty good. They might be a team to watch out for. They win two games against the number one seed. And I'm like, hey, they might be building something here. And then Markel Fultz tears an ACL, is out for the season, and they just plummet. Nikola Vucevic is an all-star in my mind. He will always be an all-star. But please give him some help. Somebody. He needs help. Like, in the offseason, I talked about it a lot, and I was like, man, Orlando would really benefit from a guy like DeMar DeRozan, somebody who knows how to win and, like, can score outside of Vucevic. Because outside of Nikola Vucevic, who are you consistently counting on to score points? And I know Jonathan Isaac hasn't been healthy. He hasn't come back yet. I don't think Mo Bamba has come back yet. So they're playing Gary Clark. I mean – Terrence Ross is kind of J.R. Smith-ish where he's going to score 21 game and next game he's dapping up Jason Terry on the sidelines. <laughs> you know, I just always feel bad because I talk myself into the magic all the time and every time they disappoint me. I'm always let down by Orlando, except when it comes to Disney World. That's the only redeeming thing about Orlando. <laughs> Disney World, the magic do nothing for me. They consistently let me down. <laughs> <laughs> All I have is Disney World when it comes to Orlando. Okay. But our final category is play of the year so far. One specific play mm. that stands out as the play of the year. I'm going to go last. Esten, you go first. What is your play of the year? What was the dunk that we were talking about in the oh, um in the last pod? Yes, yeah, yeah. It it's got to be that. I mean, come on, that that was just 
That was just so mean. Also, by the way, JP, I think it sounds like the magic need a little more magic. But that I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was in my head the whole time. But the that Anthony Edwards dunk was just I mean, Don't that me. was a LeBron-esque tomahawk to me. Could you where say he, it was could you say it was magical? It yes, yes, it was magical. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Richard, what is your play of the year? It is Anthony Edwards. Like that, that dunk was spectacular, bro. <laughs> the way he jumped, he jumped that high. Just the dunk on him again. again <laughs> no, I chose Anthony Edwards' dunk, and the reason is, you'd have jumped, and they and Anthony Edwards jumped. You'd have kept going down. Anthony Edwards kept going up. And Yuta Watanabe, again, for all my kids listening, don't jump. You never jump. Make Unless the business decision. Please. I remember watching uh, the Clippers against the Bucks on Sunday. And Giannis comes down the lane and just throws in a monster dunk. But what nobody realizes is Marcus Morris jumped. And he looked at Giannis and kind of just, okay, I'm going to move out the way. That's how you make a business decision. So you don't end up on a t-shirt. Yuta Watanabe is missing. We don't know where that man is. <laughs> we might have left him in Minnesota, bro. David, we, we have we never heard from Yuta Watanabe since. JB, we know the poster boy of, of why you should not get dunked on. Aaron Baines. Aaron, Aaron Baines was right there. He's on his team. He should have known. Talk to the man. Don't let him jump like that. You cannot <laughs> let him die. Aaron Baines was looking there like, dang, is that really what I look like when I end up on my kid's poster? No. <laughs> you know not had a family. He had friends. Now every time his friend's going to hang out with him, like, hey, bro, you remember you got dumped on? I got the photo right here. <laughs> He's on the screensaver. He is some kid in Minnesota screensaver. And you know why? Because he decided to jump. JB, JB, I'll never forget Joel Embiid saying about Aaron Bates, this man in the NBA only gets done time. That's what he is. And he passed down his legacy to Yuta Wananabe. It's like All Might passing down one for all to Midoriya. Aaron Baines is passing down, getting dunked on into oblivion to Yuta Wananabe. And again, just don't jump. The thing about it, he jumped late too. He saw Anthony Edwards coming and it's like, yeah, I'm going to jump now. He hesitated. He has, as, if you have to hesitate to do something, don't do it. Because you will end up with a knee to your face. And that's exactly what happened. After the play, Anthony Edwards legit was just laughing. That's how you can tell that man is a psychopath. He just committed a crime and he was laughing. I'm surprised they didn't arrest him on the spot. That that was the play of the year and it was also one of the best dunks I've ever seen. Like that might be up there with, you know, D-Wade dunking on Bear Zhao, um, LeBron dunking on Jason Terry. I'm not sorry to keep ragging on the Celtics, but LeBron Duncan on Jason Terry, um, DeAndre Jordan deleting Brandon Knight. But the thing about it is 
Brandon Knight was like 6'2. DeAndre Jordan was like 6'11. Jason Terry's like 6'2, 6'3. LeBron is 6'9. Anthony Edwards is like 6'5. You know what? Now he's seven feet. That man climbed Mount Olympus and proceeded to tear it down with one dunk. And again, do not jump. Be smart about this. You don't have to try to be the tough guy. You know, Wisconsin basketball always like they're always out there taking the charges. It's like, just say you be a tough guy. I don't care. Imagine you get dunked on. They don't call the charge, but nobody cares about the charge call. You just got yammed on in front of a national audience. And be better, you don't want to know, you better be happy that nobody was in the stands because of COVID 19. Just the players. But the thing about it, because nobody was in the stands, that means everybody was watching it on TV. They can, re- they can rewind it. You know how I many people I bet rewinded that dunk? I was like, hey, let's freeze it right here. At this moment, he knew he was going to die. Dude. I mean, come on, man. You don't jump. Especially late. That's the one lesson. Make the business decisions. Please. Aaron Baines and all you future Aaron Baines is out there. All you future Yuta Wananabis, don't jump. If you see him going up, just move out the way. It's like I said, you're going to end up as some 10-year-old or 12-year-old screensaver on their iPhone 8. And you know what? Anthony Edwards could retire today, and he would have one of the best dunks I've ever seen. People will remember him for that dunk. And you know why? Because you don't want to not be jumped. You're remembered as Sean Bradley. That's who you are now. You are Sean Bradley. You are there to get dunked on. Now you have a, <laughs> you have a target on your back now. Every time he steps up to the court, he's like, oh, you don't on the court now. Dog, I'm going to go dunk on him. I'm going to go make another highlight play. He is Aaron Baines. And like, I feel bad for the man, dude. I feel for him, but at the same time, don't jump. That's a, that's a lesson here, don't jump. But that'll conclude our weekly segment of don't jump, otherwise known as you press play sports. We are gonna come up with a special kind of fun game going into March Madness. Um, I wanted to call it mascot combat, like Mortal Kombat, but I think we're gonna stick with mascot madness. So what we're asking you guys to do is if you follow us on Twitter, you follow me at Acosta32 underscore JP. You can follow Richard at Rich26 Pereira. And you can follow Eston at Eston Parker. And you get, and you follow us there. You tell us or give us some mascots that you would like for us to have in our mascot tournament. We are deciding who is the scariest looking mascot or the mascot that is most likely to win a death match. That's the thing here. Your mascot that you choose has to be a mascot that will win in a death match. Here are the parameters. So it can't be a live mascot. So Bevo doesn't count. Ugga, although nobody will pick a bulldog, wouldn't count. The Mountaineer from West Virginia who shoots the uh, rifle wouldn't count. It has to be a mascot mascot. It can be from any conference. It can be from any conference, any division. Just let us know. We're filling it out. It's going to be a 24-team tournament or 24-mascot tournament. Give us 
each some some mascots that you would like to see in this tournament. We'll open up voting to the polls. We'll discuss it on our uh, next podcast episode. But that's going to be something really fun that we're going to be doing. Um, like we always say at the end of every show, make sure to like, subscribe, give us five stars. If you don't give us five stars, they'll make Esten sad, and we're going to we're going to send Big Red to hunt you down. We're going to send Anthony Edwards to dunk on you, and you better not jump. Because if you listened, you should know not to jump. But that's going to conclude it for You Press Play Sports. From Joseph Acosta, that is Richard Pereira and Eston Parker wishing you a very good rest of your day. And make sure to watch out for us on Twitter. Make sure to send us in all of your crazy-looking mascots. But like I said, have a great day.